the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. Imagine you had uh, just come out of a coma this weekend. Well, let's say you'd been in one for 20 years and someone told you that Joe Biden, the idiot who was in the Senate when you lost consciousness is now in his second year as president of the United States. That would be shocking enough, but what if you heard him say that he was going to stop the drilling of oil and shut down all the coal mines? Would you wonder if the world has gone insane, or would you wonder if maybe while you were gone, the world found a, you know, a new way to produce energy and keep everything on the planet running? It might take a while for people to convince you that Biden was number one president and that he was saying uh, that on the eve of the midterm election, But the big guy was serious. While you're paying $4 a gallon for gas, you just heard, if you heard that newscast, it's up to 407 average in Pennsylvania now. So while you're paying that for your gas and waiting to see what's going to happen when the country runs out of diesel fuel in a month or so, Joe wants to stop looking for oil and stop mining coal. See, Joe wants everybody to have an electric car, but he never explains how the electricity for all those batteries will be produced without coal. Joe's also going to have a lot of bad news to deal with when he goes to bed tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. And the news will be even worse, at least we hope anyway, uh, you know, when he wakes up Wednesday morning. He's obviously suffering from dementia now, and it's kind of frightening to think of how he's going to deal with his new world starting, um, well, I guess Wednesday morning. It's not going to be pretty. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to talk to our media expert about how NBC embarrassed themselves over the weekend And then our second half hour, we're going to have all the evidence you need on why there should be school choice in Pennsylvania, especially Allegheny County. Stick around. There are many issues in this election, but John Fetterman only wants to talk about one, his support for killing unborn babies by abortion. Sadly, John Fetterman wants to deny the most basic right to life to unborn babies. John Fetterman even supports a federal law that allows unlimited abortion essentially until birth, and he wants to pay for it with your tax dollars. John Fetterman should never be in the U.S. Senate. Mehmet Oz respects life. He supports measures to protect unborn babies and their mothers. Mehmet Oz supports protecting unborn children from painful late abortions, and Mehmet Oz opposes using your tax dollars to pay for abortion. Mehmet Oz will fight to protect life. Unborn babies can't vote, but you can. Please vote for life. Vote for Mehmet Oz for U.S. Senate. Paid for by the National Right to Life Victory Fund at nrlvictoryfund.org. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. NRL Victory Fund is responsible for the content of this advertising. Networth Advisors has a question for you. Is your retirement inflation-proofed? Here's what we mean. In retirement, chances are you're on a fixed income with variable expenses. So how do you not run out of money when the cost of just about everything continues to go up? You inflation-proof it. Beth Andrews and the team at Networth Advisors can show you strategies to help combat inflation so it doesn't outpace your retirement income. Call us today at 800-426-1428 to learn more. Inflation could take a huge chunk out of your retirement savings, but it doesn't have to. With some simple planning, inflation can go from being a major disruption to a minor annoyance. Call Beth Andrews and the team at Networth Advisors now to start inflation-proofing your retirement today. 800 426 1428. That's 800-426-1428. Networth Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. Investing involves risk. Firm offers insurance services. Hi, I'm Lance Wall now, Christian author and evangelical leader, here to remind you that God's gifts should never be taken for granted. Take, for example, your retirement savings. You've worked hard for your money and God has rewarded you for that. 
Now, with record inflation eating away at the value of the U.S. dollar, those rewards are literally being taken from you. But there is a way the faithful can fight back. By diversifying your retirement account into gold, your savings can be protected. And that's what God wants. Even better, a physical gold IRA from Birch Gold Group allows you to transfer your current retirement funds into gold without fees or penalties. To see how it works, text the word FAITH to 989898 to get a free info kit on gold IRAs. That's FAITH to 989898. Take action right now, and I pray that your family is blessed with continued prosperity. My dog was scratching and shedding like crazy around the house. When I heard about Dynavite Nutritional Supplement, I thought, why not? Couldn't hurt. We literally tried everything else. Our dog quickly took to it, and after a couple of weeks of adding Dynavite to his food, we noticed a big difference. Our little gizmo's coat was shinier, and he almost completely stopped shedding and itching. I can't wait to see how well it helps him with his allergies as the seasons change and he's in the yard more. I'm so glad I tried Dynavite. My dog smelled so bad and scratched herself constantly. We bathed, sprayed, and bathed her again, but no results. And then I heard about Dynavite supplements for gut health, and all of the reviews sounded just like my Bella. After just two weeks, she had major improvements with the smell, and no more scratching or dragging her stomach across the carpet. And her coat is more beautiful than ever. Happier, healthier with every bite. Over a million pets helped with Dynavite. I'll second guest dinners with friends because they can be interrupted by diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, or oily stools. It turns out I have EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, which means I'm missing the enzymes needed to digest food. My doctor prescribed Creon, pancrelipase, an oral prescription medication that replaces pancreatic digestive enzymes. Creon treats EPI due to cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, pancreatectomy, or other conditions. Creon may increase your chance of fibrosing colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Tell your doctor if you have a history of intestinal blockage or scarring or thickening of your bowel wall. If you're allergic to pork or if you have gout, kidney problems, or worsening of painful swollen joints, call your doctor if you have any unusual or severe gastrointestinal symptoms or allergic reactions. Take Creon as directed by your doctor and always with food. Do not chew capsules as this may cause mouth irritation. Other side effects may include blood sugar changes, gas, dizziness, sore throat, and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon. Creon is the number one prescribed EPI treatment. Ask your doctor about Creon for EPI and visit creoninfo.com or call 800-633-9110 to learn more. That's C-R-E-O-N info.com. The left is politicizing our justice system. This is Ted Cruz. From the leaking of the Supreme Court's opinion on abortion to attacking parents who speak out at school board meetings, what we're seeing should make every American angry. That's why I wrote my newest book, Justice Corrupted, How the Left Has Weaponized Our Legal System. From Antifa riots to the Waukesha Christmas murder, today our families are much less safe. Joe Biden is right now using the DOJ and the FBI to target his enemies, to storm President Trump's home, to harass parents and pro-life activists, and to target you. Equip yourself. My new book, Justice Corrupted, will arm you with the facts to hold your government accountable. Get Justice Corrupted, the new book by Senator Ted Cruz, wherever books are sold. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, what happened or didn't happen to uh, to Paul Pelosi in his home several days ago shouldn't have any bearing on the election, but the reporting on it might be an example of how the media's coverage could affect the election. Here's a story from the Today Show that was run on Friday. Craig, good morning. When officers arrived here at the Pelosi home exactly a week ago today, they initially didn't have any idea exactly what was going on. They knew they had a high priority call on their hand. What was unclear, what was happening inside the property just behind me. This morning, Paul Pelosi is home, back at the house that became a crime scene a week ago today. NBC News learning new details about the moments police arrived. Sources familiar with what unfolded in the Pelosi residence now revealing when officers responded to the high-priority call, they were seemingly unaware they'd been called to the home of the Speaker of the House. After a knock and announce, the front door was opened by Mr. Pelosi. The 82-year-old did 
not immediately declare an emergency or tried to leave his home, but instead began walking several feet back into the foyer toward the assailant and away from police. It's unclear if the 82-year-old was already injured or what his mental state was, say sources. According to court documents, when the officer asked what was going on, defendant smiled and said everything's good. But instantaneously, a struggle ensued as police clearly saw David DePap strike Paul Pelosi in the head with a hammer. After tackling the suspect, officers rushed to Mr. Pelosi, who was lying in a pool of blood. What we do know is he brutally attacked Mr. Pelosi and attempted to kill him. After spending several days in the ICU, Pelosi, who is recovering from a fractured skull and serious injuries to his arm and hand, is now home where Capitol Police remain on alert. Investigators have previously said Pelosi did not know DePap when the 42-year-old broke into his home. Why Pelosi didn't try to flee or tell responding officers he was in distress is unclear. Fear takes over. Fear freezes people. This morning, the 82-year-old, lucky to be alive, after an intruder nearly killed him in his own home. Law enforcement, tell, law enforcement officials tell us the bottom line here is this was a terrifying situation. We still don't know exactly what unfolded between Mr. Pelosi and the suspect for the 30 minutes they were alone inside that house before police arrived. Officials who were investigating this matter would not go into further details about these new details. Well, that was not Richard Simmons uh, doing that report, but uh, I, I, I don't have the name here, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, and those two sound bites you heard, one was a police chief, one was uh, somebody from the FBI. But anyway, several hours after that aired, NBC deleted the story from its Twitter account and the website and then put up an explanation about how it didn't measure up to their standards. Uh, Jeffrey McCall is a professor of communications at DePaul University and a media critic at the Hill. At the Hill. He joins us now. Jeff, thanks for coming on again, as usual. Great to talk to you, John. So, um, does NBC's decision to make this story disappear smell a little fishy to you? Oh, I think it's totally fishy. And that they disappeared the whole story without explaining anything other than vaguely alluding to their standards, which are confusing enough as it is, uh, makes you wonder what else is operating behind the scenes. I mean, this thing just doesn't pass the sniff test, if you know what I mean. There's something going on. NBC is not being transparent. And as you know, news organizations are always demanding everybody else be transparent, but they're not being transparent themselves. And whatever else is going on, it, you know, it's really hard to speculate. But I think it's pretty clear that they got out ahead of themselves, put that report out there, got some blowback from someplace, which I would be interested to know the source, and then decided to pull the whole thing. And I must say, it is really rare for a news organization to go to all the trouble to prepare a high-profile report and then scrub the whole thing from their website and their social media and everything else, because you know this report had to have gone through several, several layers of discussion and editorial and production processing before it hit the air, because this was on the Today Show. So it's not like some rogue reporter went out there and immediately put it out there on social media. This had to go through all the hierarchy at one of NBC's highest-profile shows, and it got cleared at some point from the news producers and editors, and then all of a sudden it's gone. And I'm just thinking, how could all those people have had confidence in that story and verified it to their satisfaction and then all of a sudden pull it away? Uh, something really is not right there. Yeah, and if, and if it was, uh, if a producer um, found out after the fact that it was not a reliable source um, and... Uh, still let the let let the report air. Then that producer should be fired, not just well, yeah, that fired. That, that's fired. total incompetence. Sure, the producer should be fired. But I also think if they did air that report and then found out that they did not have reliable sources, that would be an easy enough thing to go on the air and explain and just say, yeah. "Hey, we aired this report a little while ago. We now have found out that those sources were not reliable." And we want to uh, correct the record with what we do know. And the fact that there was no explanation at all makes me think that they, they don't have an explanation that they can stand on and that it's probably some sort of pressure from behind the scenes that they can't acknowledge with a straight face. 
Yeah, uh, somebody saw it, and um, I saw somewhere that someone speculated that um, that it was the the reporter or someone who fed the reporter the news that allowed him to do the piece. People should understand also that the fact that that reporter fronted the piece with a stand up at the beginning, and you know his his name is on it. That doesn't mean that the sources started with him. Someone else, uh, a producer, somebody else could have given the, given him that information, and he could have just been relaying it. And, you know, you stand in front of the house, and you make it look like it's your story, but it doesn't necessarily mean it was he who came up with it. But um, I saw some speculation that this could be either that reporter or someone else was told something off the record, and then someone was sitting at home and saw that and said, wait a minute, I told that guy that was off the record. We can't put that on the air. Which means it was true, but they don't want it to be out there. Yeah. One of the other thing is, I mean, news organizations do use uh, on-background sources from time to time, but even then I think they owe it to the audience to let us know why they are using on-background sources. And if an on-background source gives them information that they can't stand behind, uh, they should probably explain that or not use it in the first place. I think the biggest problem with this report, frankly, is that it blows up the whole narrative that the Pelosi camp and the Democratic Party ran with immediately after this happened to blame the whole incident on a politically oriented intruder. Uh, and it suggests now that there were other circumstances that led to this, this event, this intrusion. Uh, and, and I don't want to speculate on what those might be, but they're probably not good, whatever they are. And it does blow up that narrative that we had some radical, presumably right-wing kook who went after the Speaker's house. Yeah. Uh, have the rest of the media been a little too quick to accept uh, NBC's explanation? Shouldn't that have—I would think that, it, that the original report should have caused a frenzy of people trying to follow up on it, to, you know, to, to find out if it's true or to dig a little deeper, or when it was pulled— then it should have created a different kind of a frenzy. Well, I agree with you, although I must say uh, Fox News seems to be the only news outlet that is really trying to hold NBC accountable here. And I think there's a tendency, that, you know, which is longstanding in the, tr- the traditional or establishment media to circle the wagons and protect each other in cases like this because they'll want that protection themselves when they blow a story. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, there has been too little scrutiny uh, and enterprise to kind of figure out, number one, what happened with this NBC report, but even more broadly, what is it with this Pelosi invasion kind of story that is not being told, and what are the government officials, and that would include the police departments, but also the people who manage the police departments, what are they doing, what are they holding on to, what are they not letting us know, and that in a sense, they have left the original narrative to hang out there that it was a kook, a politically motivated kook who did this, as opposed to somebody else who may not have had any political motivation at all, for all we know, and that there's maybe some sort of personal controversy or some sort of personal situation that sparked this that they just don't want to have to talk about. And I think, uh, and we're talking to Jeff McCall, he's a professor of communications at DePaul University, a media critic at The Hill. Um, As someone who worked in TV, I I did sports, but, but, you know, I was around a TV newsroom for 30 years, when a story like that pops up, that creates, it used to anyway, and we've talked about this before, it creates, it, at least it, it did then, I don't know if it does anymore, but it used to create uh, a lot of excitement. Somebody would say, boy, we got something here, look at this. We got some new stuff on the Pelosi thing. And everybody would have gathered around and looked at this uh, and talked to the reporter, and then they would have looked at the finished uh, piece that he did. And so the reason I'm saying all this, Jeff, is that this would be something that would have gotten tons of attention in the NBC newsroom, and where it's not like it could have possibly slipped by anybody. Yeah, there, there was a time when professional journalists would look at a story like this, and they would call it uh, what we refer to as the what a story, which means kind of like, hey, what a story that yeah. we have here. The problem is now that in most newsrooms, when something big like this happens, and let's face it, an intrusion into the House of the Speaker of the House of Representatives mm-hmm. uh, against a family member should be considered what a story, 
all hands on deck. We need to get to the bottom of this. The problem now is if that story happens and it has some sort of political overtone, you have too many people in the establishment media who are going to sit down now and say, what are the political implications of covering this story and who might it help or not help? And during an election season, does this help certain parties or others? And you know that in the NBC hierarchy, that there are probably very few people in there who would consider themselves political moderates and certainly not politically right of center. And so when the whole NBC news apparatus is filled with people who I think I could safely say are generally left of center, not, not, not to label all of them, but probably it's pretty left of center, they're going to be more concerned about the political implications than they are about getting the facts straight. And the problem here is, as Walter Lippmann, the journalist from the 20th century, used to say, where all think alike, no one thinks very much. <laughs> and I think we have a case in many of the establishment media outlets now where they do all think alike, and so therefore they don't think very much, except in terms of like what it means politically for the particular side of an issue that they favor. i got a couple minutes left here with Jeff McCall of DePaul University. Um, uh, if you were grading the media on their election coverage up to this point the day before, what would you give them, Professor? Well, probably not very good. <laughs> um, C- at best, I suppose, maybe even worse. Wow. And I must say that I think that uh, the, the coverage from both right-leaning media and left-leaning media has not been that helpful. I mean, if you watch, like, Fox News and Newsmax and New York Post and that sort of thing, there's been a lot of cheerleading for what they think is going to be a red wave which we can't really tell necessarily based on the polls that are out there. So I, that, that, that's some kind of, in a sense, like push polling or uh, wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you, you think of, like, Fox News. They've had J.D. Vance on the air probably more than many of their own network correspondents. Uh, no offense to J.D. Vance, but I don't know that he needs to be on all of their shows so often. And if you look at the left-leaning meeting, uh, media, and I would, you know, say that that would be, ABC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, you've had a lot of news coverage. Well, actually, it's not news coverage in the traditional sense, but a lot of moaning and groaning about threats to democracy and that kind of thing and abortion's going to go away and all that sort of thing and a lot of doomsday kind of news coverage. And I'm not sure. I, I know this is an important election, but I think doomsday kind of news coverage really does a disservice to the nation. I mean, sure, there are serious issues at stake, but once the general election's over here tomorrow, my guess is the United States will still be in place in a month or two or a couple of years or a couple (laughs) of decades. And I don't know that this is the end of democracy as so many of the people on NBC and CNN are talking about. And, but but they're running with that. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the news coverage of CNN and MSNBC in those places, it's all the end of democracy, abortion's going away, uh, climate change is going to take over the world, and they're not even talking about many of the issues that are on the public's mind, if you believe, like, the Rasmussen polls and places like that. And I will say one thing for what I consider the right-leaning media, I think they are at least raising the topics that are on the minds of most voters, and that would be uh, the economy and inflation and crime, and border security, uh, and those kinds of topics. Well, I'm out of time. i got like 30 seconds. Um, if it's a Republican blowout, how do, you, how do the non-Fox networks spin it? Got about 30 seconds. Oh, my. I think there'll be a lot of wringing of hands and wondering what went wrong, as opposed to saying this is what the sentiment of the public is and try, trying to assess that. And it's kind of like when Trump got elected in 2016, there wasn't much coverage of what is the nation telling us? It was kind of like, what the heck's wrong with these people? <laughs> I expect the same thing. Jeff, always good to yep. have you. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you, John. All right, that's Jeff McCall, uh, professor of communications at DePaul University, a media critic at The Hill, and we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Both President Biden and his predecessor, Donald Trump, hoping to provide their party's late boost on the last full day of campaigning. The president holding a Monday evening rally in Maryland. Former President Trump set to stage his own event in Ohio for 
Senate candidate J.D. Vance. Early voting in Georgia has ended record turnout this election cycle with 2.4 million people voting. As for the latest poll numbers leading into Tuesday's midterms, Republican Governor Brian Kemp ahead of Democrat challenger Stacey Abrams in the rare clear politics average of polls by some eight points. Turning to the Senate race, Republican Herschel Walker with a razor-thin lead over Democrat Senator Raphael Warnock. On Wall Street, the Dow is ahead 429 points, the Nasdaq up 92. This is SRN News. Charlie Dombeck here from Key City Capital. As a practicing CPA for nearly 30 years, I have found that 80% of your ability to grow your wealth is dependent upon two factors, taxes and investment performance. At Key City Capital, we improve investment performance by diversifying capital into off-market investment opportunities in passive rental real estate and alternatives like asset-backed lending. We recover dollars that clients unnecessarily pay in the form of income taxes, creating a lifetime annuity of savings. We are a sponsor of passive, affordable, single and multifamily residential rental investments, which are located in Sunbelt landlord-friendly states. These investments are the top choices in a rising interest rate and inflationary environment. They represent a store of value protecting your capital from market volatility. Learn how we at Key City Capital can help you ultimately grow your wealth rapidly. Connect with me at keycitycapital.com or give me a call at 817-912-1569. Dr. Sebastian Gorka wants answers from Twitter. Elon, what are you doing? Are you serious about making this a balanced platform that doesn't have censorship of people who disagree politically with the DNC? Because if this is your idea of being fair, of being balanced, you've already failed. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before John Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250. The answer. Remember that first paycheck when you started working all those years ago? You were finally out on your own, earning money. You looked at the net amount and thought, whoa, what happened here? It could be this way with your retirement accounts. You know how much you've saved, but if you haven't planned for the IRS, you could come up short in retirement. With tax laws constantly changing, there's a lot you need to know to make sure you're not paying more than your fair share. Roy and Jason Locks and the Synergy Group team can help. They will help you create a retirement plan that shows you how taxes could affect you now and in the future. To receive your complimentary tax analysis, call 412-673-7760. Make sure you know how these changes could affect you so you can avoid paying more to the IRS. Request your complimentary tax analysis today. Call 412-673-7760. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through J.W. Cole Advisors. J.W. Cole Financial and J.W. Cole Advisors are not affiliated with the Synergy Group, Inc. The Synergy Group, Inc may not give tax advice. The Christmas Mortgage Miracle is back and bigger than ever. For five years, the Christmas Mortgage Miracle has made it possible for you to win next year's mortgage or rent. This year, we've raised the grand prize to $18,000 to pay for next year's mortgage or rent. Increase your opportunity to win when you enter up to once per day and complete optional bonus tasks. AM 1250 The Answer presents the Christmas Mortgage Miracle Sweepstakes. Enter today at theanswerpgh.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Clogged up now on the Parkway West. Outbound trip, about an eight-minute delay. Banksville Road to Carnegie. Inbound, not too bad, though. On the Parkway East, heavy outbound from Bait Street up to Edgewood, Swissvale. Inbound, some downtown delays. On A37, it's backed up with construction. New England Road to Grant Avenue. 28, not doing too badly for once. Nadine Road blocked with construction between Lincoln Road and Allegheny River Boulevard. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. We'll see mainly clear skies for tonight. Expect a nighttime low of 35. Partly sunny tomorrow. Tomorrow's high 53. Clear to partly cloudy skies for tomorrow night with a low of 31. It'll be pleasant Wednesday with plenty of sunshine. Wednesday will reach a high of 62. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. 
Well, if there is a red wave or a a red tsunami tomorrow, one thing it should mean, if the Republicans are worth voting for, uh, is the spread of school choice. It's supported by Republicans and Democrats by a huge margin. Both candidates for governor, apparently, in Pennsylvania, uh, are in favor of something called the Hope Scholarship. Uh, Jonathan Butcher is a fellow in education at the Heritage Foundation, and he joins us now. Jonathan, thanks for being here. Great to be with you. So uh, if both candidates for governor support this and there's a Republican majority in the Pennsylvania legislature, school uh, school choice should be a slam dunk here, right? Well, I think that it's certainly something that parents are looking for right now. I mean, this is what parents are talking about today after the results from the nation's report card a couple of weeks ago that showed steep declines across ages and grade levels uh, and subjects uh, just a few weeks ago knowing, right, that the pandemic has caused steep learning losses. So I think this is definitely what parents are talking about. And I think if, if you know, any lawmaker is listening, uh, that, that, that's what they're going to hear. And I think I call it the Hope Scholarship. It's the Lifeline Scholarship here in, uh, in Pennsylvania. But, um, well, the thing about uh, school choice, I think that the Democrats seem to avoid it because of the teachers' unions, avoid talking about it or pushing it. The Republicans seem to talk about it, and then not do anything about it. Is that likely to change? Yeah, you make a great point, because this has been sadly, I think, the case in a couple of states around the U.S., right, where the unions will push uh, their supporters to oppose choice, and they'll sue to shut down any sort of private school options. And then on the other side, I think sometimes conservatives can be um, sort of hesitant uh, to support it, especially in rural areas. We're starting to see this change, right? Um, two big things to watch. One is that in Arizona now, every child, including children in private schools, can apply for what are known as education savings accounts, which are effectively similar to these Lifeline scholarships you just described. And in West Virginia, right, so just over the border there from Pennsylvania, um, they also have an education savings account for virtually every child in the state, uh, all public school students. That's a big shift, right? You're, you're talking about states now giving nearly all kids the opportunity to apply for these accounts. That, that really changes the dynamic about, you know, whether we're just sort of creating options for some kids who have certain needs to saying, hey, this is the way the whole system should be run. I think it's the Hope Scholarship in West Virginia, by the way. I've done some shows on that. Um, yes, you're right. The Hope Scholarship in West Virginia, correct. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, a low-achieving school, uh, apparently, is one that's in the bottom 15% uh, you know, based on test scores. I saw a graph today. Um, Allegheny County is second in the state with 43 of those uh, low-achieving schools. Philadelphia County is first. I think they have 152 schools that are low-achieving. Kind of tells me the worst schools are in the big cities. Is that right? Yeah, and, and that's what the nation's report card showed, you know, a couple of weeks ago. They also released results for some of the larger urban areas, right? Philadelphia, Chicago, uh, big cities, right? L.A. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's some of the results were, were very concentrated, right, in, in, those big, uh, in those big cities where you had, in some cases, double-digit losses or double-digit declines from the last test administration. And that means that, look, if, you're, if the scores in math and reading went down by 10 points, okay, in uh, 2019 or, you know, 2022 compared to 2019, that's a grade level. That's an entire year of school. And so you're talking about the pandemic essentially robbing children of an entire year worth of learning. And black kids suffer the most from this, correct? Well, I mean, you know, it's going to be children from low-income families. It's going to be kids in uh, inner-city schools that have been low-performing for generations. And often there is overlap, right, with ethnic minorities. I mean, but it, it shouldn't matter. I mean, it shouldn't matter if it's white, black, Hispanic. I mean, these, these are all kids now facing the same kinds of struggles. So if we are truly talking about being inclusive, if we are truly talking about uh, helping those students who, like, you know, are, are um, uh, marginalized, right, then, then we've got to be looking very hard at these options like West Virginia, like Arizona, 
like the Lifeline scholarships that you were talking about earlier. I mean, this is these are truly inclusive options when you say every child gets the chance to apply. That's what that's what inclusivity really means. Well, I think that what makes it important uh, to look at the fact that black kids suffer the most is that the Democrats um, are constantly uh, portraying themselves as the saviors of black people everywhere, uh, and that they're do- and the, and Jack uh, Jack Joe Biden is telling uh, people that if they don't vote for him, you're not black. He's telling black people that. Uh, yet they're the the people who suffer the most from their refusal to even. And I'm talking more, I guess, at the federal level, but the. Their, their, their refusal to even consider school choice, the people that suffer the most are uh, the people with black kids, and they are the ones who are most likely to support Democrats. It's just, it, it's insane to me, and I don't know why it, it never ends. Yeah, it's very backwards, and, and I think that this all of this talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and critical race theory and turning every lesson to be about some sort of discussion about white supremacy, it is a huge distraction, right, from the learning losses in math and reading, right? It's a huge distraction from the core content that we need to be teaching students. And so, uh, you know, I think this push from the Biden administration about diversity, you know, DEI and critical race theory, I mean, they are totally behind this very uh, radical uh, racial, uh, I think, division that it creates. Um, and it, it frankly does nothing, right, to help uh, uh, help students get back to where they need to be. Talking to Jonathan Butcher, he's a fellow in education at the Heritage Foundation. Um, here in Allegheny County, uh, Woodland Hills School District, which was a merger uh, that I can remember back when they did it. It, it sounded like a good idea, but it put an end to some pretty good high schools that were thrown together and they made things worse for everybody, of course. But anyway, uh, Woodland Hills School District, 50% increase in funding over the last 10 years, and 95% of the eighth graders in the most recent tests are not proficient in math, and 73% are not proficient in English. If it's not funding, what is it? Well, and that is one of the things that we can hold state lawmakers accountable for, because during the pandemic, federal lawmakers sent $200 billion, right, to states all around the U.S. for different COVID-related needs. About 120, 140 of that has not been spent as of, you know, the end of the spring last summer. And so, yeah, now we need to say, hey, look, you got this additional federal spending. I mean, which, by the way, um, I mean, it's uh, effectively... I mean, more than double, right, what Washington spends on an annual basis on schools, right? They did it all over the course of the pandemic um, with this huge increase. Um, so we should be saying, what are you doing with this money, right? And, and uh, I, I think the answer is what we've all known, and that it only matters what is done with it, not how much uh, comes, right? It's not how much we increase it. It's what you do with it to change student outcomes. And, uh, and I just think districts have not been doing creative things. Uh, Pennsylvania spends, by the way, more than $4,000 per student, uh, more than uh, uh, the national average. $4,000 above the national average is spent on Pennsylvania per student. Um, How much uh, transparency is there for where every dollar goes? Um, Very little. (laughs) Very little. You'd think there would be demand for that, wouldn't you? Sure. And it's not just Pennsylvania. I mean, I think a lot of states um, have a super complicated student funding formulas. very hard to track the dollar from the taxpayer to um, uh, where it goes in the classroom. I think that some states, uh, Arizona, for one, has a good report from its uh, auditor each year that shows how much each district gets and how much is used in the classroom. Um, there is some federal legislation over the past couple of years, the latest reauthorization of federal law uh, called for some more transparency. But, I mean, look, that's why school choice is so important because, you know, if you, uh, if a parent is going to spend their tuition money at a private school, well, they have every right, you know, for the private school to say exactly how those dollars are being used. And if parents aren't happy, they can go somewhere else. From what I understand, I mentioned Woodland Hills. Um, <clears throat> they have really, really high school taxes, by the way. Um, 
But I'm just wondering, Jonathan, uh, if, if you just think about it, if you're if you're a parent, and I'll just use keep using Woodland Hills here, they're not the only uh, people guilty of the only district guilty of this. But um, if I'm a parent in Woodland Hills and my I look at my taxes and I find out that they're among the highest, and I hear that there's been a 50 percent increase in funding over the last 10 years. Uh, if you try to sit around and imagine what they might do with the more more money, the building's the same size. They the, um, is it hire more teachers? What what is it that they couldn't even do with a fifty percent increase in funding? Where where if, if I'm 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 trying to use my imagination and what they could spend it on. Well, and it's so obscure the way that um, district officials can uh, you know use the money to to pay for different things. There's a story out of uh, Baltimore just a couple of months ago where they had to close schools because it was too hot at the beginning of the school year, you know, back in August, yeah. September. Yeah. Uh, and, and yet they had all this money from COVID, right? So why did you not use the money at that time to buy air conditioners, right? Why did you not yeah. use it to do the things that would keep schools open? And so it's questions like that that are, it really should perplex families all over the country. But aside from giving more money to the teachers, what what are the possibilities? What else could you? I mean, air conditioning would be a well, nice thing, but that's COVID money. I'm talking about the, you know, there was no COVID, uh, there was no pandemic uh, ten years ago, and it's been a fifty percent increase over the last ten years. Do, should I go look and see how many teachers they have and see if that's where the money was spent? That, you know, that that that's going to reduce class size, which is overrated anyway. Yeah, and that's exactly it. I mean, the hiring of administrators and the hiring of personnel is a, a, a big, uh, a big uh, uh, source of spending for uh, these increases. And there's evidence to substantiate this, right? Around the country, there's about a one-to-one ratio of um, uh, educators to non-instructional staff. So the rate of administrator hiring has skyrocketed over the last 30 years. So uh, this is something that has been increasing for uh, for a long, long time. And under COVID, with the new COVID money, that's also something that um, we should anticipate is going to happen because uh, schools do have the ability to hire more administrators with this spending. I think you think it would be hard for someone who knows how to run a business and uh, develop a budget, and maybe and look at a school, uh, you know, just pick a public school and run it like a business, that it would be very hard for the average good business person to go in and slash the amount of money being spent by a gigantic margin and still come out with the same product? Well, that's what's going on with education savings accounts, right? I mean, ESAs in Arizona, uh, to take one example, they are less than what the state spends per child in public schools. And yet these families are able to uh, either pay for private school tuition, hire a personal tutor, find an education therapist. I mean, they can do multiple things all at one time, right? They're finding ways to be efficient with the money that they have because they know, you know, they know exactly how much it is. Um, I think charter schools are also a big step in this direction. Is, um, do the unions have any solution other than throwing more money at it? What's, what is their solution other than money that they've ever come up with? Well, I think if you look at um, the you know the web page for a teacher union, you will see increased spending. You will see um, uh, smaller class sizes. You will see, uh, and then a number of things often that will be outside of the uh, education you know policy world, especially the the big unions, the AFT and the NEA's headquarters. Right, uh, they'll be talking about all sorts of policies, things dealing with international policy, foreign policy. Um, as well as all sorts of other social things that are outside the classroom. So uh, they've got a, they, they have an entire political agenda, uh, some of which doesn't have anything to do with K-12 schools. Yeah, and I, I'm just wondering, I mentioned that uh, Woodland Hills, 95% of the 8th graders are not proficient in math. How do you justify paying math teachers who fail with 95% of their students? Yeah, I, I think that's uh, very hard to justify. I mean, I think that you know, the ability of parents to have multiple options so that they can fix the problem themselves and they don't have to wait for the district to come up with a solution, that's what makes these accounts, either Lifeline accounts or education savings accounts, uh, so important, right, is that you don't have to wait for the district to hire somebody else 
or to change their curriculum or for the school board to decide something. A parent can say, my child needs something different right now. I'm going to go find something else with these funds that belong to my child and use the account to help fix this, fix this problem immediately. Um, and is this at the federal level where this is the biggest problem? I mean, if it were left uh, totally up to the states, would school choice be more likely to happen on a, on a wider scale? No, it largely is, you know, state policies, uh, as it should be. Uh, I think that we've seen uh, great strides in some places, and I think other states have just been slow on the uptake. Uh, look, 2021 was a big year. I mean, we had uh, a number of states that had waited a long time to pass private school choice finally enacted. Oh, excuse me, uh, Jonathan. No, what I, what I meant was, is the, is the pushback coming more from the federal level, and they're preventing states from making this happen? No, I mean, I don't think that the wa- Washington is really able to uh, to get in the way. I think okay. uh, unions and their lawsuits, right, they're one big obstacle. I think some state constitutions that have Blaine Amendment provisions, I think that's another obstacle, although that's uh, starting to become less and less of a problem because of recent Supreme Court decisions, Carson v. Macon most recently. Um, I think it has to do with union support, uh, in different states, and uh, I think that that's why the big successes in recent years uh, with large eligibility rules, right, for these new programs, that's starting to change the game, right? It's changing the way that public policy, uh, that policymakers look at school choice. It's not just a niche anymore. Now it can be something for everyone. Finishing up here with Jonathan Butcher, fellow in education at the Heritage Foundation. So it's just hard for me, Jonathan, i got about a minute left. It's just hard for me to imagine uh, in my lifetime, uh, and I'm getting closer to the point where <laughs> that's an issue, but uh, in my lifetime, seeing a, a day when uh, maybe my kids or my grandkids are getting a check for $7,000 to spend any way they want on their, where their kids go to school. I, I, how confident are you that we're ever going to see that? I do think we're taking steps in that direction. I think Texas now had uh, Governor Abbott this earlier this year say that he wants to see more private school choice in the state next year. And Texas, of course, you know, that's a big state that has influence, right, on uh, especially some of the other red states nearby. I think Florida, I mean, folks, anyone who's watched Governor DeSantis in the past year, uh, past couple of years, right, he's pretty aggressive when it comes to creating solutions for his state. Uh, I would anticipate that that we're going to be uh, seeing that state looking to expand their uh, existing school choice options. So, you know, those are two pretty big states that have an influence on, on those around them. So um, I think we're moving in, moving in a good direction. I hope it happens, Jonathan. Uh, good work on this stuff, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Anytime. Okay, that's Jonathan Butcher of the Heritage Foundation. We'll be right back. Everyone is talking about John Fetterman's performance in the Senate debate. Just listen to the news. That was hard to watch. Voters, I think, saw things that will definitely change the state of this race. He struggled many times to complete sentences. He doesn't have a grasp on the issues. But if people watch that, they're going to question his capacity to serve. What are real PA voters saying about Fetterman? I'm an independent, by the way. I was definitely leaning towards Fetterman, and I think I have totally changed to the Oz side. Well, I am a registered Democrat. It was kind of shocking to see um, Fetterman. Unfortunately for Fetterman, I don't think he's up to it. I think he should be at home recovering and not running for United States Senate. Watch for yourself at www.pasenatedebate.com. John Fetterman won't change Washington because he can't. American Crossroads paid for and is responsible for the content of this advertising. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. www.americancrossroads.org The left is politicizing our justice system. This is Ted Cruz. From the leaking of the Supreme Court's opinion on abortion to attacking parents who speak out at school board meetings, what we're seeing should make every American angry. That's why I wrote my newest book, Justice Corrupted, How the Left Has Weaponized Our Legal System. From Antifa riots to the Waukesha Christmas murder, today our families are much less safe. Joe Biden is right now using the DOJ and the FBI to target his enemies, to storm President Trump's home, to harass parents and pro-life activists, and to target you. Equip yourself. My new book, Justice Corrupted, 
will arm you with the facts to hold your government accountable. Get Just as Corrupted, the new book by Senator Ted Cruz, wherever books are sold. Hi, I'm Al Abaroa, founder of Knight Strategic Wealth. Inflation is a problem, markets are volatile, and the risk of running out of money in retirement is real. That's why I love annuities, and you should too. Your financial advisor doesn't want you to know that with our annuity strategy, when the stock market goes up, you earn a market-linked return that locks in every year, and when the stock market goes down, your annuity won't lose a dime. There are no unnecessary fees, and it works for your investments, money at a brokerage firm, or even money at a bank. It's simple, it's safe, and you should only invest if you learn the facts. And that's why savvy investors work with us. Want to learn more? Text FREE to 833-898-0500, and we'll send our retirement readiness kit directly to your phone right now. If you want to use safe, low-fee annuities to build a retirement portfolio that will go up with the market and never lose money, get our retirement readiness kit today and see how this strategy can help secure your future. Text FREE to 833-898-0500. Text FREE to 833-898-0500. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. So I'm thinking uh, back to uh, 2012, uh, election night. Um, I wasn't doing a show like this, so I could, um, it, you know, I was, I was still a political junkie. I was still working mostly in sports. I had been off uh, doing a show kind of li- like this, but it had been a, it'd been a couple of years since I had done that. So I was working on a little internet uh, talk show at triblive.com. That was sports. But I was still following politics. And I remember uh, on uh, election night in 2012, I I had been listening to lots of people predicting that Mitt Romney was going to win and that Obama was going to be out. Uh, And I was listening to Rush Limbaugh. This this station wasn't on the air at the time, Um, not here in Pittsburgh. But um, so 2008, it's election night. They came on and said, Ohio has just gone for Barack Obama. And he has won a second term as president of the United States. I turned the TV off instantly when they said it, and I did not watch any political stuff. I didn't listen to Rush Limbaugh. I did nothing for two years. I don't think I'm going to have that problem tomorrow night. I can't. I'm doing this show. I'll talk to you. Bye. John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Van. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.